And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, sleeplesscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. I'm trying to find the stopwatch on my watch, and we have found it. Welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. Uh, this is a rare Friday night recording. I do have some good news in regards to recording schedules and everything. Uh, to those of you that listen to this show on a regular basis, I don't know why you would. I, I regret you should regret everything. Uh, C plus comedy and myself and uh, the, the Chad White Foundation. <laughs> everything will be moving to uh, uh, an apartment, a different apartment. That's not this apartment. An apartment that I will be leasing by myself, and I will have uh, an office space. I have to, it'll be two bedrooms, so I have a regular bedroom that you'll probably never see, and an office space that will be the second bedroom, where I will shoot seamless comedy things. Where I will, it'll give me flexibility to, and that's part, and that's reason in part why I got this two bedroom. It's because I could be able to shoot news time in a timely manner without having to wait. <laughs> Uh, if someone's home or not, and I could just knock things out. Uh, the desk cannot be next to my bed because it's weird working in the same place where you sleep and eat and watch TV and do all this and play video games and, and do everything else that comes with being in a bedroom. That's not an office. Uh, I, cause I'm, I'm just, in, I mean, as much as I like to <laughs> say, I'm not like, I, I like to write and, and, uh, and be focused on one thing. I'm not, I'm never like anymore. I'm not, I, I can't be focused to writing in here and then, you know, d- uh, just turning around and seeing that the Xbox is on or or like wondering if I can sneak in a game of a Smash Brothers or uh, whatever the hell the PS4 is doing over there. <laughs> you know what's really funny? It's not funny because this is, uh, I had to figure out how to get away around this, but my PS4 controller, uh, whenever I play it, the PS4, I always put the controller on my nightstand and that nightstand's already full of stuff. There's that was, let me put other things over there. My phone, my phone on a stand. Uh, the remote for the TV, the remote for the soundbar, the usually the Xbox controller, which is the Xbox Elite controller. Two books, my phone case because I like to take it off, and my phone feels so nice and thin. And uh, a lamp, and a Google a Nest Hub, a Google Home Hub, whatever the heck they're calling it these days. What is that noise? Is it picking up bug sounds outside? Oh, this microphone's amazing. <laughs> this microphone is <laughs> one of a kind. <laughs> anyway, I wonder, that's so crazy. You just heard bugs outside. I have a sound machine on. I am close to the window. Any hoosers. But uh, every time I have the PS4 controller over there, uh, it always gets knocked off into the floor. And, and it's been doing that for like the past, you know, three years that I've had it. Uh, the controller is... Uh, <laughs> it looks great on the outside. On the inside, things have been jostled around. <laughs> and uh, now there's a lot of drift. So the drift is what happens when you don't move the left stick and your character or your the cursor on screen or whatever is moving anyway. And there's a lot of drift. So I got to figure out if I can <laughs> go to GameStop, trade it in, <laughs> and then buy a new controller. <laughs> That'd be horrible. That'd be a horrible thing to do. But yeah, Seabull's Comedy is moving. Uh, I am moving. I am moving. That's what I'm trying to say. I am moving. Uh, so maybe the next episode. Well, actually, no. The next episode might be shot here, probably. Uh, the next episode of the Constitutionals and News Time uh, will definitely be shot here. Uh, but after that, you'll see a new space. 
with a brand new attitude. We still got to catch them all and be the best that you can be. Pokemon Johto. Do, 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 do. That's a great song. I was watching a lot of, <laughs> watching a lot of um, Pokemon theme songs. And uh, I think Johto is my favorite one. I can't remember the Orange Islands one. That's the season with Tracy, which didn't have any new Pokemon. And I think only had a couple of gyms. And I don't think it lasts that long. Whatever happened to Tracy, I think they met up with him later on. Brock came back for a little bit. Misty came back for a little bit. I watched the Pokemon Sun and Moon with Brock and Misty where they showed up. And Ash is like, these are my friends. I train with them and everything. <laughs> and, they're, and they're gym leaders. <laughs> I guess I don't know. All right, let's get let's get on with this. Uh, let's start with Two Gun Birdie. Two Gun Birdie canceled. If you don't know, Netflix uh, just canceled Designated Survivor and Two Gun Birdie. This comes from Hollywood Reporter, written by Leslie Goldberg, my good friend. Uh, the reason I picked up this story was because uh, I really wanted to. I was reading it, and uh, the creator Lisa Hannah Walt, who worked on Bob, not Bob's Burgers, um, BoJack Horseman, the show that shares the same animation style. With Too Good and Birdie, I thought uh, she said some really powerful things about Netflix. Uh, and, and conversely, Big Mouth was picked up for three more seasons. So I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Hold on. All right. Too Good and Birdie ran for one season. It stars Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong. It's a great show. Uh, but I did. I, <laughs> the what, Why it took me so long to watch it was because it's, uh, it's a very dirty show. <laughs> And that's not the reason why, but it's it's not it's, you know it's kind of if I wanted to watch a show that dirty I would you know it it's gonna take me a little bit to get there. like I can't watch five episodes of South Park in a row because uh, I kind of I gotta back off of that stuff a little bit I want to be a I'm a I'm a good little boy uh, okay so of course Netflix said some some positive words about Lisa and designated survivor now designated survivor that was picked up from abc when abc canceled it and i think that got to three seasons uh yeah yes so it got to three seasons right yep good for that after abc canceled it after like one i think or two something like that uh, Hannah Walt, this is from the article. Hannah Walt bemoaned the cancellation Wednesday on Twitter with a heartfelt thread that also took a jab at Netflix's penchant for axing originals based on cryptic data from an algorithm. Netflix, like other streamers, does not release viewership data. Quote, everyone is still glowing over the reviews and articles and feedback. TNB is critically acclaimed and has repeatedly been called one of the best news shows of the year, which is true. She wrote, uh, quote, None of this makes a difference to the algorithm, to an algorithm, but it's important to me and the way I want to continue making art in this world. Now, I know I said it's a very dirty show, and it takes me, and it took me a while to get through it. Uh, it's still a really great, well done show, uh, and of course, and of course, I know reviews are bad. You should not read reviews. I know I've said this before, but it was a critically acclaimed show, uh, and sadly. If you're if you're a streamer, that does not matter anymore. <laughs> if you're a streamer, in particular Netflix, it does not matter anymore. Um, you can have, you know, all of the best. If you're a movie, you can have the best cinema score, the best Metacritic, the best Rotten Tomatoes. You can you can uh, for a TV show, you can have the best cast and the best reviews. But if it if it doesn't get the ratings that a Netflix needs or a Amazon needs, then they're going to start backing off of that. Well, they're not going to back off that type of stuff, but they're going to just not, they're, they'll cancel it willfully. 
I am going to miss that show. It's a very, again, took me a minute to get through it, but it's still a great show. It's, you know, compared to the other adult offerings on there besides Big Mouth, what, F is for Family? I mean, that show is, you know, and and uh, Pacific Heat, a show that mimics the art style of Archer, but none of the funniness. So there you go. Uh, Two Gun Burgers canceled. Um, it's, it, it blows that Netflix does things like this because they're, they're afraid. All right, <laughs> moving on. Uh, oh, uh, Disney Plus. This is a real quick thing. I don't have the story for this. Disney Plus, The one of the creatives behind Disney Plus did say that it was going to be offered uh, via Hulu, via Hulu add-on. Uh, all Most of the... Well, Amazon does this. Amazon and Hulu already, they have channels where you can add on and you can subscribe to CBS All Access or HBO via Hulu or Amazon. Uh, what's important is, know this, that if you already have an HBO Now account or a CBS All Access account, you cannot take that subscription over to Hulu and Amazon. You have to you have to separately subscribe within those apps if you wanted to access those shows and movies within the Hulu and Amazon app, which is crazy because I can go, I can get uh, my FX login and I can log in via, or what am I talking about? No, I can get my Hulu login and log into FX via Hulu. Insane. Uh, speaking of TV, Cinemax is up in the air with the loss of TV development, TV show development. This comes from Deadline, written by Nelly and Dreve, my good friend. Two of my good friends. Today. HBO's Casey Blois, or was it Blows, on future of Cinemax amid subscriber loss. Anything is on the table. Uh, this week is the TCA, Television Critics Association, I think, or, yeah, the TCS. I think it started yesterday, because yesterday was Thursday, so maybe it was Wednesday it started, and it's it happens twice a year, there's a summer, there's a winter one, winter one in January where they talk about where all the networks get together and they're trying to uh, pimp out their shows for advertisers and say, this is what we have coming. You're going to want to advertise with us. I've done numerous amounts of news times on it. Just go watch that show I do. <laughs> I forgot I was timing this. <laughs> I don't need the time. I only have one camera running. So this week's TCA. This year's TCA. Excuse me. Casey Bloys. There were some losses for HBO, uh, which in well AT and T because AT and T bought Warner Media, and there's some losses for the home box office network. That includes Cinemax as well. And actually, Cinemax Nelly writes had quote bled subscribers after being depackaged from HBO by some MVPDs. Wow, I didn't know that happened. I didn't know they were depackaged. Huh. So usually if you get HBO, you tip, you typically get Cinemax along with it, which makes sense because they're one and the same. Because <laughs> HBO, when those movies, when Justice League leaves HBO, it goes straight to Cinemax. But now Justice League is back on HBO because HBO Max is going to have all of the DC stuff. And apparently Doom Patrol. Not all of, Not all of the DC stuff, but just some of it. The development raises an alarm for the future of HBO's sister network, which had long benefited from being bundled with its famous sibling. Uh, 
talk about the softcore porn that was on there. Mediumcore porn. Hardcore, softcore, mediumcore. This is a clean show. Asked by Deadline about changes in the programming strategy for Cinemax shortly after he joined the company in the spring, Warner Media Entertainment and Direct-to-Consumer Chairman Bob Greenblatt said, quote, I think Cinemax is going to stay what it has been. It's a service that's really well distributed, and I think some of the shows that have come out of there have been really great and have a distinct personality from HBO proper. I think it's just going to continue the way it has been. You know, it's funny. Cinemax... The people at Cinemax have canceled several of their shows over there. Uh, the Nick, which is a show that I have to buy to watch. And the, I think the, the show that they're known most for is Strike Back, a show I've never seen before. And they don't have an app. They have a, they have a phone app that you can watch on your computer. But, again, I don't do that. Disney Plus is being bundled with Hulu. <laughs> you can get a channel. <laughs> Maybe I can watch The Simpsons again. I, I'm not gonna give Hulu, I'm not gonna give Disney money though, and I don't consider giving Hulu paying for Hulu giving Disney money because I've been paying for Hulu since 2008. Been using it. Definitely check that out. So we'll see what happens with Cinemax. Cinemax is, I don't know. I think there's room for it, but without developing a new show, they're going new shows, not one new show, new shows. Uh, we have epics going into show development. Not going. They're already in it. They've got Get Shorty and some other shows that I don't care about watching. Pennyworth, I think, is on epics. Pennyworth is the Alfred spinoff, the prequel to Batman before Alfred. He's, Alfred was helping Thomas Wayne, not Bruce Wayne. Thomas Wayne is Bruce Wayne's dad. But there's no Batman. Just like in Gotham, there's going to be hood, hoods and winks. Nods and winks. Let's move on to Lily Singh's late night show. It got their first crop of writers. And by first crop, I mean their only crop for now. Only crop of writers. Lily Singh's show. Lily Singh is the YouTube personality. And I have so much reverence for her. She hustled her way to the top. Now she's on NBC coming on after Seth Meyers. Uh, taking over Carson Daly's spot. A little late with, oh, this comes from Vulture, written by Meg Wright, who used to write for Splitsider, but now writes for a Vulture comedy. Meg Wright's great. I think I follow her on Twitter. Actually, I don't think so, but she's still good. A little late with Lily Singh. <laughs> uh, the show is going to have one, two, three, four, five, six writers. I think it might be a half hour, too. I, 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 yeah, it's going to come on at 1.35 a.m. It's going to de- debut on NBC Monday, September 16th at 1.35 a.m. The slot that was previously ob- occupied by Last Call with Carson Daly. John Irwin, who has produced many standout specials in recent years, including Adam Sandler's 100% Fresh, and Michelle Wolf's Nice Lady, both critically acclaimed, will serve as showrunner, and the Late Late Show with James Corden alum Sean O'Connor will serve as head writer. Here's a full writing staff. So let's see. Let's let's go. I the reason I I picked this up because I wanted to click through all of the names and see what color these people are. And yes, I will be judging based on race. Uh, so here we are. Sean O'Connor is a white man, of course. 
Uh, and, and, and the reason I'm doing this mostly is because uh, Meg did point out the Los Angeles. This is from her, the article. Los Angeles Times checked in on the different shows staffs back in June, which ranged from nine writers on Deuces and Miro to a whopping 23 writers on Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show. And keep in mind, those 23 writers are shoveled in and out. They don't all work there at once. Sean O'Connor's a white man. And then we have uh, Mariana... Markel, let me open up that article again. <laughs> I exited out of it. <laughs> uh, Mariana Kockenberg, she's a woman, and she looks to be of Latino descent. I don't know. She's a woman. That's all I care about. Then, of course, we have Sergio Cerna, another white man. Uh, Mona Mira. Uh, she looks to be brown, so maybe Indian. Jen Burton. I clicked on her name already. I don't know why I did that. She is a cat. Her picture is a cat. Uh, <laughs> Jen Burton. All right, let's see if we can find her. It's very important that I do this because comedian. I'll just say that. Because th- there needs to be more representation in late night, and if and I if Lily did not have a brown person writing for her, then I would have been so pissed. Jennifer Burton's white, and then we have a black man, Jonathan Giles, who is followed by a woman that I worked with. <laughs> Good for him. All right, well, looks like I know him. We're connected, basically. All right, so they have a, a decently diverse staff. I mean, still got two white guys. Not that I'm saying that hiring people of color would make anything better. You know, I thought about that. I thought about that. I was watching Jesus and Miro, uh, and Lion King. They were talking about Lion King, and they and uh, and I was I was noticing how many people of color in that cast, uh, and I thought. And then I thought back to what Issa Rae, when she went to the Emmys or the Golden Globes and, she, and someone asked her who is she rooting for, and she's like, I'm rooting for all the black people. And I thought, you know, just doing that doesn't make something better. <laughs> you know, I've at work, I watch, I'm not, I'm not going to say what shows, <laughs> but at work, I watch original shows that were created by the network I work for. And, they're, and the cast is all black people or people of color. I'm going to say that, people of color. And they're not good shows. <laughs> the writing is three steps away from horrible. One step away from horrible. It's there. It's bad writing. It's very, very bad writing. Um, so much so that one line this week on a sh- on a new episode of a show I watched, uh, one woman said, "What was that they say in the movies? Oh yeah, always bet on black." And she said it unironically, and I thought that is just so stupid. And then there's other lines in the same episode where it's like, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. It's just all these cliches and it's and it's horrible. And we shouldn't we shouldn't be reaching for that. And if we as people of color are going to make these shows and movies and we're gonna hire that people that look like us because, you know, all the white dudes hire people that look like them then we we shouldn't we shouldn't settle. We shouldn't settle. And 
that is, you know, pardon, pardon why I don't want to see the Lion King, uh, is because we shouldn't settle just because something looks pretty doesn't mean it's going to be good. We shouldn't just settle for uh, uh, the same telling the same story. Uh, and I know this is a reach, but kind of for Black Panther too, we shouldn't just settle for them going, "Hey, you get you get a movie, but we're not going to put you. We're not going to put you in, <laughs> you know, uh, Captain America, the first Captain America. We're not going to put you in." Uh, Ragnarok. We're not going to put you. And yeah, you can say Tessa Thompson was there, but still, it's it's still there. It's still there. Tessa Thompson was the only person of color I can remember in that entire movie. Uh, we're not going to put you in Doctor Strange. Like you know, if we had more Asian people in Doctor Strange without it being a big thing, we should be able to get an Asian superhero without you know them saying this is going to be the first Asian superhero on screen. It doesn't matter like that. We should just be able to put out a movie and have that be that. It shouldn't. I've said it before. Uh, Supergirl, when when that when uh, let me let me find her name. Supergirl. Uh, and Supergirl and the story now is that she has a new outfit and she's finally wearing pants. Who cares? It's Supergirl. She can. She's the strongest superhero in the DC universe. Uh, she can. She can beat Superman. I've I've read that before. Different. Uh, Dreamer. The girl who plays Dreamer. The woman who plays Dreamer. Let's see. Portrayed by Nia Nall is the character. She's portrayed by Nicole Maines. She's a trans actress. And it's insane that the storyline of her joining the show uh, in the real world of her joining the show is uh, she's trans. And she's going to be the first. I mean, not the first, uh, but she's trans. And that was then that was the story. Like she no, it, that shouldn't be the story. The story is that she's joining and she's going to play a character named Dreamer, who I don't think did much to advance the story of Supergirl. I can't remember what happened in season four, except for Lex Luthor showed up, and that's all I know. And Jimmy Olsen's leaving the show, which sucks. But they don't do anything with him, so good for him. Good for him. Good for the guy that plays Jimmy Olsen. Her guy's name. Uh, his name is me, Chad Brooks. He was on the Desperate Housewives for a couple episodes. Uh, a little arc. 38 years old. He's got a discography. He sang a song. Oh, God, everybody wants to sing to him. Everybody wants to sing. <laughs> Jiminy Christmas. What's he going to do after Supergirl? Who knows? All right, let's move on to this LA Times article I just looked up. You know what? I'm going to put it up there for you. This is um, written by Meredith Blake. Late night makes late night look bleak for women. So we asked how bad it really was. They got to come on, man. Okay. I know this is going to, and this is what the show is for to say stupid things and to be proven wrong, but we can't just fight for one segment of people at a time. <laughs> we got to fight for everybody. You know, we can't just say, this is this is about women in late night. Yes, Sam B is crowded, but so is Trevor Noah. Just saying. There's three guys named James. Three white dudes named James. Anyway, number of women writers in uh, leading late night shows. She has a little chart here. Sam B's show, Full Frontal, has five women out of 11 writers. It says 
Yeah, okay. Just making sure because they have total numbers here that it's weird. It's a weird-looking chart. Uh, Dacis and Merrill, they have nine riders, but four of them are women. That's a great percentage. 40, 44. Late night with Seth Myers, 18 riders, five are women, 28%. John Oliver's last week tonight, 12 riders, three of them are women, and the rest are white people. <laughs> I guarantee they're all white women, too, except for uh, Myers and Fallon because they can't afford to have just white women. Uh, Kimmel's got 18 riders, four of them are women. Trevor Noah's got 18 riders, four of them are women. Jesus. Jimmy Kimmel and Trevor Noah. These numbers are going to change drastically as we go down, but shit, Christmas. That's, I mean, especially for Trevor Noah, but the Daily Show came with a staple of seven white, or 15 white guys, so it's really no surprise. Fallon, 23 riders, five women. Uh, But Fallon's got a female head rider, and Corden's got a female co-head writer. Samantha B's got a female head writer. Okay. That's great. Patriot Act with a Zamanage. Two are women out of ten. Late night with Stephen Colbert. And he's he's really one of the worst. Um, uh, 22 writers. Four are women. Um, I guarantee all of his writers are white. When he started all his writers, he brought all of his writers from Colbert Report, and they're all white, and they're mostly guys. Real Time with Bill Maher. 11. Two out of 11. And Conan. Two out of 12. Uh, Conan, come on. And I know the women who, I don't know them, but I've interviewed one of them, Lori Kilmartin, and the other one hosts a podcast, and I forgot her name, Sweeney. No, Mike Sweeney hosts it with whatever her name is. It's ridiculous. Uh, check out the article. It's It sucks to read this. Uh, women are truly out, not outclassed in late night, but they're overrun with white dudes. Women in, oops, late night. All right. Moving on. Jesus. <laughs> We're almost done. Uh, Instagram gets rid of the likes. This comes from The Verge. This is a whole feature article uh, that I think is very interesting. I think you should check it out. Written by Ashley Carmen. Now, there's a been, been in the news that Instagram was going to uh, try to start hiding likes from uh, users because it doesn't matter. And it's just make, it's just really becoming a popularity post. Article's called Instagram Quantified Our Popularity, and now it wants to fix it. Uh, users in Canada would begin testing a new feature that hides the number of likes their posts receive. The announcement was met with uncertainty over how it would change the way we use Instagram, but after a couple of months in testing, people appear to love it, which is wonderful. And, and, and it makes so much sense. You don't need to see these numbers. I know. I understand. I know how it feels, because sometimes I post things, you know, like I, I just posted my vacation video and I was waiting for those likes to take in. And then after and I posted it at a weird time. So it's like after 50 minutes, no one liked it. After an hour, one like and then 10 likes and then 20, then 30, then 40, then 50. And then it stops and then it plateaus and it stops. And then you're like, where do I get that high? And then you want to post again because you think it's going to be something, but it's not. People are obsessed with these things. Uh, but she notes that for business creators, the change hasn't made much of a difference. Their accounts still give them highly detailed metrics, down to how many people unfollowed their account on a specific day. Plus, they can still see the number of likes on their own content and track it. Hmm. Interesting. 
Uh, yeah, definitely. Get rid of the likes. Who needs it? And last but not least, this comes from Spotify. <laughs> Sorry, this comes from NPR. It's a story about Spotify. <laughs> Written by Marissa R. Moss. You know, sometimes I listen to I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts, obviously, and uh, the, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is uh, All Songs Considered by NPR, hosted by uh, Robert Hilton and Bob Boylan, and uh, they bring in people every Friday, or you know, on Tuesdays too. Uh, they have two shows a week, but they bring in people, the correspondents, the music correspondents at NPR, to talk about music. And you hear these names like Marissa R. Moss and Sidney uh, Michael and uh, and Rodney Carmichael and um, and all these other people, and you never know what they look like. <laughs> and that's the re- and the reason I bring this up is for no reason at all. I just and I love hearing these people's voices. Sometimes I get I get in a little Google mood and I go, all right, well let me see what they look like, and uh, they always look like how I think they sound. Or they always look like how I think they do, how they, how they sound, if that makes sense. There is one woman, though, who uh, lives in Nashville and Powers, and I thought she sounds, her voice sounds like a, a middle-aged black woman. I looked her up, it's a middle-aged white woman. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> crazy. Anyway, this is uh, this article is called The Green New Deal, Where Spotify Stands and Where Artists Wish It Would. Okay, so there was a meeting earlier this year in April that Spotify was to attend in Nashville that was uh, uh, meant to get them to talk about paying their artists more, the artists that publish on Spotify more. Uh, And they even set up the meeting. They set it up. They set up this meeting. Everybody showed up. And let me read you the people that showed up. Uh, Kenny Chesney producer Buddy Cannon, Girl Crush co-writer Liz Rose, and uh, let's see who else. That's some other people. Here's a here's a little excerpt from this article. In that room in Nashville, Spotify seemed to be the biggest offender. After all, it's the largest player of the streaming game, valued at over twenty six billion dollars, and with 217 million monthly users. But Spotify didn't show, leaving only an empty chair and a sign bearing its logo. But the others that showed up were Amazon, Google, and Pandora. Google will go anywhere to, to, to talk about itself. All right. Assembled by the National Music Publishers Association with the Nashville Songwriters Association International. That April Town Hall was in response to an unfulfilled promise from Spotify itself to host a meeting intended to explain its motivations for appealing a 2018 ruling finalized earlier this year, mandating a sharp increase in royalty rates for songwriters' compositions that would be phased in from 2018 to 2022. For many artists and creators, Spotify's appeal felt particularly egregious, coming from a company that has that has consistently labeled itself as, quote, artist-friendly through programs like Secret Genius, which is meant to celebrate those same songwriters with awards and workshops. So Spotify not showing up is basically a kick to the nuts, saying, hey, we don't care about you. <laughs> and we're not going to go here. We don't care what the, what the rules say. 
And keep in mind, yes, Spotify is the leading, leading um, music streamer in the world. 217 million. Uh, you can, and I think Apple Music is, is, is second. Apple Music is second. But I think they have 50 million in the U.S. alone. And I think worldwide they have maybe 100 million, something like that. I don't know. That's still not good enough for Spotify, which is just so easy to use. Uh, Spotify is trying to, what Ms. Moss writes in here, She's it's trying to do two things. It's trying to make itself sound better to artists, more appealing to artists. But it's also a tool for the artist to use. And without it, the artist probably isn't going to do well. Cause, but, it, but, but regardless, remember, streaming does not give you the money that it used to, you know, that, you know, buying a CD would. It takes a thousand streams for one listen to count as something that 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 counts as a bought a thirteen dollar bought album. Chance the Rapper came out today with twenty two songs, and it's gonna and if I, ha- I have to listen to that <laughs> a thousand times before it even matters, there are probably Taylor Swift records that I just still haven't paid for. <laughs> nah, I probably paid for all of them. <laughs> I mean, I own all of them regardless physical <laughs> based on this is a quote from uh, uh, Spotify founder and CEO Daniel Eck quote based on radio industry data we believe it is a safe assumption that over time more than 20% of all Spotify listening will be non-music content oof Jesus. This is after the, they purchased Gimlet and Anchor. Gimlet is uh, this, the podcast the podcast network. They were like one of the original ones that had that has a podcast startup on it. And then Anchor's got, and I think they have um, Lore as well. And then Anchor's Anchor is a podcasting tool for your phone that you can use. Anybody can use. Just download an app. You can make a podcast right on your phone. He continues, this means the potential to grow much faster with more original programming and to differentiate Spotify by playing to what makes us unique, all with the goal of becoming the world's number one audio platform. So he's talking about going into podcasting and making and 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 turning and profiting on podcasting, uh, which is very difficult to do. Not many people are doing it. Joe Rogan, Mark Maron, they're doing it. Uh, Alex Carolla, <laughs> who else? <laughs> maybe Apple is I don't know the advertisers are maybe Earwolf is but they were just bought by Scripps a couple of years ago so who knows in mid-roll whatever uh, Equity deals with the major labels instilled confidence in Spotify earlier on remember these are companies that are this at the uh, at the time had spent a decade watching their revenues recede at least in part because of their deals with another notable tech company apple spotify has also managed to make itself an ally in almost every album cycle providing a highly valued platform shaping entire careers and providing an infrastructure smaller labels or artists might not have access to otherwise and that's why a lot of people aim for to put their stuff on Spotify. You can you can have everybody can have an iPhone. Everybody has an iPhone, but if uh, which is untrue because Android is the best, uh, which also sucks because Android sucks. <laughs> but but people will still gravitate towards Spotify because it's a thing that anybody can use. Anybody can look at it and go, okay, well I'm gonna play the big day. I'm gonna play Chance the Rapper's new album. 
uh, which I have not finished all the way through because I was working all day long and I have to record this stupid show. And also, I haven't finished Red Dead Redemption. I don't know if you can see that. I don't know if, I don't know if you're watching the video version of the show. You can see in the background that I still have Red Dead cheats that are popping up. Uh, I have not finished that game. I really plan on doing it once I get my once I move into this apartment. I'm gonna play the dicks out of this game. <laughs> I'm gonna turn off all the lights. Uh, I'm just gonna sit down on the futon, which will be my couch for a little bit until I can buy a couch, and then I'll just play the mess out of this game. This microphone keeps falling. That's the reason I keep. Uh, adjusting it if you hear any which you probably do <laughs> let's keep going uh, many of the company's biggest stumbles are of its own making this year has brought a mess of public relations missteps for the company including a battle with songwriters to a much hyped launch in India that was fraught with roadblocks and delays along with allegations of gender discrimination, which it has denied, not to mention the hateful conduct policy of 2018 and accusations that the company created fake artists to boost streams in 2017. Oh boy. Jeez. She has links to all this too, which is great. Um, in early April, that and let me go back really quick. That part where I said which it has denied, she wrote that in the article and she put in parentheses. I wasn't I wasn't defending <laughs> I wasn't defending the gender discrimination. <laughs> Please don't cancel me. I can't afford to be canceled. In early April, songwriters from Secret Genius filed an open letter to Spotify to drop their appeal, a move that conjured up the day when Taylor Swift pulled her own music from the service. <laughs> I don't understand. If you're if you're if you're the, the largest music publisher in the world, the music the largest streaming music publisher, I don't understand why you are disagreeing with paying people. Because wouldn't the whole point be to pay somebody? Wouldn't you want to attract more people? That's why uh, the guy who. Uh, not Red Solo Cup. What song is it? It's a country song. Uh, oh God, now this is gonna, this is gonna, oh, Jesus. What is the song? It's like uh, it goes. Um, uh, <laughs> I know I can't even think of the words. Uh, what is that? Oh God, country songs played at a party. <sighs> Uh, I don't even know the name, so I don't know why I'm even looking it up. What is that country song? I'm going to sit here and think about this because no one watches this show. I'm going to sit here and think about this. What is that song that I'm thinking of? What is the country song where the guy's like, uh, <laughs> hold on, I'm going to be quiet for a second. Hold on. It's not Wagon Wheel because that's what I have stuck in my head. It's not Red Solo Cup. What is it? It's the song where he goes. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> this is a song where he's like, um, ah, Jesus. Okay, whatever. Who cares? Ah, this is ridiculous. Oh God. Yeah, hold on. Let me click on this article. It says it's from the boot.com country's top 10 songs. Maybe if I just play each one of them. Let's see. Nope, that's not it. 
It's not Brad Paisley. It's not Tim McGraw. It's not Shania Twain because this guy's not. It's not Dirk Bentley. It's not Gretchen Wilson. Not Blake Shelton. It's not Hank Williams Jr. This guy's not streaming. I wish I knew what this song was. Nope, that's not it. Okay, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> anyway, where was I? What was I talking about? <laughs> this has been three minutes of just me trying to figure something out. Anyway, that I mean, you want to be able. Spotify should want to be able to attract artists to its platform by saying, "Hey, we are willing to work with you." Uh, obviously, Taylor Swift was attracted back. What was it? Late last year, or not late last year? Uh, she left in 2017, I think, 2016 or 2017, one of those. Because I was still using it. But then she came back in the, within the past couple of years, whatever. Uh, she left for a couple of years and she came back. Because Spotify was willing to work with people. But now that they're not, you know, now that they're just backing up stuff, they could. I mean, Taylor Swift is one of the biggest people. But what if they did it? What if Drake was said, I'm going to back out? What if Ariana Grande said, I'm going to back out? What if a bunch of people just got together and said, hey, we're going to back out because you're not paying us. You're not paying us for royalties. Obviously, Apple's paying them decent royalties. They don't want to pay anybody else, but they're paying the artists. Uh, YouTube must be doing hot. Uh, Spotify. I skipped I skipped down. I don't know. Has been taking some steps to improve their standings with artists. This year, they hired former Disturbing the Peace Records founder Shaka Zulu to head artist and talent relations, who touted, quote, growth and representation as support when he signed on to the company back in April. But many artists and songwriters feel like it's a case of too little, too late. I don't know. We'll see. This article is very long. It's a good feature. I think you should definitely check it out. It's an editor's pick. Uh, That's not why I clicked on it. I clicked on it because I saw Spotify and I saw Green New Deal and I thought they were talking about uh, Spotify polluting the world or something like that. Okay. Hey, listen, this is it. If you like what you heard here, head over to the website, seedlesscomedy.com, uh, which I swear to God I will update at some point. I actually, the birthday is coming up. So by the time I moved in, hopefully I'm all settled by the birthday of C Plus Comedy, which would be not next week, but the week after. So I don't have to do... Oh, shoot. News time on the 5th, which means I have to do that for the birthday episode. All right, we'll figure it out. I usually figure this thing out. Uh, Maybe I'll push news time that week to, like, the 10th. Who knows? We'll see. Head over to the website. And what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? If you want to watch the video version of the show, nah, if you like what you hear here, uh, follow us on Twitter at Simples Comedy, Instagram at Simples Comedy, follow me on Twitter, Instagram at Chad Black White, like us on Facebook. If you like the video version of the show, you want to see it, you want to see me talk, sit at my desk, one camera shot the whole time, me rubbing the paltry beard, the paltry patchiness that is this beard. And definitely head on over to cpluscomedy.youtube.com slash cpluscomedy. We can head to cpluscomedy.com. Uh, YouTube.com slash cpluscomedy. 
You can watch all the episodes from episode 60 all the way up to this, episode 119. Crazy, right? You can also watch News Time, which has about 200. Let's see how many episodes News Time has. YouTube.com slash comedy. I'm going to say 248. News Time has 254 episodes. <laughs> 254 episodes of news time that I've done. Uh, you can watch the latest episode, which is... <laughs> he clicks. He doesn't know. TikTok. Something about TikTok. An episode about TikTok. No, I think there's 253 episodes because there's a private video in here that I think I deleted. Anyway, that's a lot of episodes. It's about TikTok becoming the new internet king. So definitely check it out. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. You're the best. We'll see you next week. Wish me luck on my move. Bye.